0: More tessa, buck a white I'd to some some votessin, more Paruta de a matasa tower, ye sort This evening is the observance night and uh, three weeks till the Bavara day, the full moon of of October, which is the end of the Vasa for most of us. And in monastic... Theravada Buddhist monasticism, your age is how many, how many uh, years you've been in the monastic order. So, I will be uh, 38 years old. (coughs) Then, just reflecting on the, the mindfulness, awareness, sati sampacanya, this uh, here and now, being present, open, receptive, is the gate to the deathless, liberation, nibbana, enlightenment. Anatta, all of that. So, in uh, when we when we think about Buddhist terminologies, it, uh, I, again, I I request you to just recognize the limitation of thought and language, and that's why when you try to think yourself, think about yourself and about. Buddhism and practice and all that—it it just goes on and on and on. It gets more complicated. Something as as immediate, simple and real as the Dhamma becomes incredibly complicated when you think about it, <coughs> because uh, the the thinking process it complicates. That's it's what it does. It's not. It's not. To simplify, uh, one needs to relinquish, let go of the thinking habit and all that that means. <coughs> because the self, the sense of oneself is created through thought, isn't it? Through memory, uh, culture, um, philosophy, philosophy. Um Politics, economics, everything is, is, everything that we, psychology, every modern science, empirical science is all about thinking. Reason and logic, you know, certain ways of thinking, identifying, defining, limiting, um, describing. And, of course, modern education is, is, uh, is, or is what this is all about. To be educated means to develop your thinking process, know a lot about a lot of things, or specialize in a certain, certain subject or a certain area of study or science, become an expert on it. But in meditation, the, the, the point of the awareness is taking us to this emptiness, this present moment where there's no person, no self, no thought, no complexity, no suffering. <coughs> So try to think about that, and it'll, you, c- you get it increasingly more complicated. Think of it in terms of personal abilities. You know, if you're very attached to your personal identity, uh, and, and then try to figure out whether you can become enlightened or not. Just uh, wh- what do you end up with? You know, do you end up with liberation or with a kind of maybe a despair? at least from my experiments with um, my personality, using that uh, and the thinking process that operates through perceiving myself as a person, uh, it gets me to, it takes me to despair. The personality, is a created then conditioned thing sense of identity with the body and uh, and uh, with memories it's all built on memory on conditioning mm-hmm. but then when you think about letting go of it all and then one can become quite frightened because it seems like if you let go of all these things that give you some sense of if, I, if I'm not me, if I'm not this or that, then I'm nothing. And, and that, that's frightening because you, your fear of, of being nothing is also can be a very threatening perception. <coughs> so we want to find out who we are. I hear this a lot, people trying to find who they are. Where do I really belong? Where do I fit in? Where is my real home? Where is my tribe, my family? What is really mine? Am I really a Buddhist? Am I really what nationality am I? What where do I really fit into the American society anymore? I've lived so many years away. Am I rea- can I really consider myself British now because I'm. Been living here for so long. Or do I really, you know, I really love Thailand? Maybe I'm, I'm really a Thai at heart. These are ways of thinking from the self-view. <coughs> In that because these are creations of the mind. Britain, America, Thailand—they're all. These are all. Papancha or conceptual proliferation. These aren't real. We create these perceptions. I think, am I really a Theravadan Buddhist? Or am I really Zen or Mahayana or Tibetan? And then we get ourselves into a twist over trying to, to find some something, a connection, an affinity, uh, uh, you know, with another condition. So this, you know, just the observing of this, this how one thing goes on to the next and that's the way thought works isn't it one thought connects to another <coughs> in mantra you can kind of maybe repeat the same like say Puto, Puto, buto at least to keep it simpler to just the the thinking of buto om mani padme a little more complicated but good enough Aparuta de sangamatasatavara ye sodayanta bamunjantu satang. Too much, maybe. Twenty-eight Buddhas—that's maybe over the top. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, from the thinking, uh, habitual thinking, isn't it now? This is, this is a kind of skillful thinking when we're using puto or These are This isn't proliferation, is it? We're not, we're not just thinking about it, but we're using these thoughts, these perceptions for focusing or for, you know, for awareness. But so much of our life is spent in proliferating uh, habits of thought, this wandering thought. Papancha, conceptual proliferation. Start with one thought: and think I, I don't feel so good today. And then oh, maybe it goes on and on and on. Somebody annoys you, and then you, uh, then you. That that really was unfair. I didn't like the way they said that. Blah 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 blah. blah. It goes on. I noticed, you know, like it. Yeah, uh, how I wake up in the morning, whether I can tell whether, you know, the, the mind starts complaining or it doesn't, just the mood or that, well, sometimes it's bound and determined to find, you know, find fault with anything around, and other, other times the mood is very positive and can't figure out why anybody suffers at all because everything seems so wonderful. So the awareness, uh, say, is the way, is the here and now. Thinking about being aware tomorrow is, you've missed the point. Thinking about attaining nibbana in the future, you somehow miss the point. Thinking about whether you can, you know, someone like you, uh, with how you see yourself as a person, can you ever possibly expect to be enlightened with all your problems and complications and neuroses and, and, and needs and processes and on and on like that? Uh, and, you know, attaching to this perception, of course. You think, you know can't do it, I'm too, I'll have to wait for the next lifetime, or maybe maybe I'm such a mess, 10,000 more lifetimes. But this is all thinking again, isn't it? And uh, you're thinking can I ever get enlightened? Or can I not? Or, or um, is it possible to get enlightened now? Is Ajahn Samedo enlightened? is Ajahn Mahabhura. Ajahn Chah, was, was he enlightened? And then this is all conceptual proliferation, isn't it? Thinking, creating words, uh, having perceptions of self or others. So this is, this, uh, here and now, dhamma is our ability to recognize the way it is, that, that this thinking process thought itself, even thinking Buddhist terms, it's still thinking and thinking is a limitation and that it's dualistic. It leads to doubt. Doubt is, uh, you know, because you can't really uh, know something through perceiving it. It leaves you still with a feeling of something. La- something's lacking. Something's missing. So sometimes here in monastic life, you can feel something's missing in this life. Here at Amaravati, something's missing, and so you start thinking it's it's the monks or the nuns or me or the tradition or the place or you know thinking. Amravati, we need to have more kutis, something's missing. If we filled more kutis, separate kutis, and we don't have to live in the same building, that mm-hmm. would solve the problem. Or, ordaining all the nuns as bikunis that will solve the problem. Or, making everything right here, you know, and so that, that everything will be, will have nothing to complain about, ever. And then, then all the lacks will be, uh, will disappear. Or is what's missing, what the lack is, is awareness? Now this is a question, a a conundrum. (coughs) When we, you know, the... We, when we don't take this on, this practice on of awareness, then of course the conditions around us, we tend to, when we get on beyond just being inspired or having that kind of um, enthusiasm, when that falls away, then we think it's all falling apart. It's no good anymore. The magic of the marriage has disappeared there's no longer that honeymoon happiness it's no longer wonderful and it's due to you or the place or the tradition or whatever the, the mind will always look for the lack in something else or blame it on on conditions. the thinking mind isn't it the, Emotions are based on that process. <coughs> so, in in uh, the five n- uh, Nivaranas, you have Kamachandra, uh, greed and lust, and uh, sensual seeking for sensual pleasure, and Paibata, uh, the uh, the uh, anger aversion. And then you have Tinamita, which is sleepiness and dullness. Utachikukucha, which is restlessness and worry. And Wichikicha now. Now when we, when we slide into the Tinamita, Utachikukucha, Wichikicha defilements, then we, 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 we tend to react to that. We tend to blame it on things. With uh, with lust and greed and anger and hatred, these are more kind of interesting, energizing kind of uh, feelings that we have. <coughs> you know, to really feel anger, is kind of, is that en- very energizing? To feel indignant, to be, you know, really upset and indignant about something makes me feel really alive. Sexual fantasy makes me feel alive. You know these things—they they, give—they, you know, if you're in a dull state, routine life, amavati, monastic, masa, and uh, and it's there's nothing interesting happening. Uh, then of course this, there's uh, romance, adventure, excitement. Anger, righteousness, uh, resentment, all these things you know have causes have something to fight for you know to to dedicate your life to, to set the world right to to solve all the problems to to um, you know make everything better, as a certain uh, kind of gives one a kind of energy, but when the mind is dull. Dreary, boring, gray, restless, worried, doubtful, uncertain. What does this state, what are these, condi- what these, these words, what do they convey to you? A kind of bleakness of consciousness, isn't it? The world appears very bleak, boring, meaningless, pointless, depressing, So then, let's find a cause to fight for. Let's... Let's get excited about something. Let's paint the Sala a brighter color. Let's... (laughs) Do something, you know, let's do something. Get our act together and really, you know, Fight for righteousness. Fight against evil. And all the rest. These are, all, these are kind of uh, energ- you know, exhilarating and righteous uh, causes that we oftentimes seek w- when we are uh, lost in the dreary plateau of uh, the last three Navaranas. So that's where it's very and this is a very important time because these are exactly that they're they're called defilements or kilesas, nevarana and they're to be understood you know so this is you know you can actually awareness embraces dreary dullness you know what is it that's aware of bleak dreariness of boredom what's aware of of feeling restless restless movements and and wanting you're just having you know feeling of not wanting to sit still of just wanting to do something wanting to dance and sing and jump for joy and have a good time. And then you look at, you just start looking and you always sit there and you look at all around, everything seems increasingly more b- gray and bleak. And then if it's a, a rainy, cold winter day, that reinforces the, pos- <coughs> and then doubt, you know, let's, let's and then somebody says, you monks and nuns are really depressing you know you're just why don't you go out and live enjoy life life is meant for love and happiness you know live it up that sounds exciting doesn't it That really exciting news <coughs> So then, uh, you know, with all the attempts to liven up monastic life and make it more joyful and meaningful and purposeful and wonderful and compelling and and that, uh, with all the attempts, uh, we still, if we don't really uh, get to the root of suffering, all these attempts will fail eventually because you can only live it up and jump for joy and dance and sing and then it you can't keep it. You can't sustain it. To be just happy, happy, happy all the time. Try to try that. You get even more depressed. So, so instead of of just trying to to find happiness, you know the the point is to use the suffering for understanding because the liberation is always now the nature of consciousness is bright is light radiance that's its nature it's here and now and yet we might perceive only dullness and doubt why why is that what's wrong with me so then you know it's a Uh, because of the attachment, isn't it? The avicca, the basic ignorance of the here and now. The way we perceive and hold and cling to views, opinions, memories, attitudes, assumptions. Now this you have to prove for yourself. This is a Fadjitang, it's to be experienced individually by the wise. And I say everyone is wise. Wisdom is not some personal uh, privilege that only a few have. Our nature is wisdom. But it's not a personal kind of thing. It's not like, you know... I can claim it as some kind of personal attribute that I have. I see it as a natural state of being that, that is oneness, that includes all of us. So then that awareness, if you sustain, if you really learn to trust and develop, cultivate this awareness, Sati sampatanya. Really. And, and that means being able to fully bear the dreariness, the boredom, the despair, the doubt that may be present in your consciousness. Not trying to get rid of it. Not with any kind of uh, you know, intention to hoping that it'll go away so you can experience the bright, radiant mind and be liberated forever because that's still conceptual proliferation, isn't it? Me, me, Samada, wanting to become enlightened. But it's uh, uh, trusting in the awareness. What does that mean, trusting in the awareness? Which is not personal. It has no name on it. Ajahn Sumedho isn't written on it. (laughs) So, it's, uh, it's, this is to be realized individually. It's real. Reality. So, in, in uh, practice, isn't it, pointing, I've pointed out so, so many ways of, of being able to Recognize and to develop awareness now, uh, you know, it's up to you to to put it into practice because I can't do it If I could do it for you, I would actually (coughs) Because I like every one of you to be fully enlightened. I mean it would Be very wonderful (laughs) So if I can actually, you know, zap you and that I'd do it, but I can't That's not the way it works. So (coughs) it's you know the best I can do is, is encourage by keep rem- by keeping uh, reminding you, because it's so easy to forget and get caught up in the old habits, get thrown back into the into the negative mental states, into the nivaranas and and get fetters, and yet. Really overwhelmed with with the conditions of the body and mind. So in this awareness, then this is the you know it's recognizing third noble truth, realizing cessation. What does that mean? It means recognizing when. The when the, whatever you're feeling or experiencing now, if you're willing to embrace it, to let it be what it is, you'll you'll see it, it for what it is. It's a it's a changing. It's changing. It has no con- continuity to it, and it ceases. So that's where you know learning to be patient, to allow, dina mita. Udachakukucha, to cease in their own way, not try to get rid of them. Because trying to get rid of dullness by seeking happiness and jumping for joy and all the rest is merely, you know, trying to, you're, you're resisting the fear, the negativity, the dreariness. Isn't so much of, our, of life isn't particularly around the more dramatic, dark aspects of the human psyche. It's the boredom of human consciousness. The relentless dullness than the meaninglessness that, that we create through thought, through attachment. And it's much more exciting to have a few kind of ghosts and monsters and you know, fascinating dark tendencies and and greed and lust and all these things are you know they're quite dramatic, <coughs> quite interesting. But I I found my own nature is one that really really dread uh, the boring, the boredom, the dreariness of my mental states. So in monastic life, you know, I've actually had a very interesting life as a Buddhist monk. So it's, you know, I was expecting it to be uh, boring, actually, but I wish it were more boring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, but it uh, just in in cases where, where I've you know in the early years before coming to England, the uh, just going through periods of just incredible boredom, uh, especially like the hot seasons in Thailand in the east Island, in northeast Thailand, so you get so hot before the monsoon starts and and it just kind of drains you of energy in the afternoons and you just you just can hardly remember uh when we built the salad one on our chart when we first built it, it had a cement floor and the rooms now that are Uh, behind the cellar there are the offices and that, that used to be my room that was where I lived sometimes it had a cement floor and during the hot season I'd just wear my bathing cloth and I'd lie on the cement floor so the cool cement would absorb the heat can you imagine ever doing that in England (laughs) lying naked on a cold cement floor. <laughs> sounds horrible. But in Thailand, I mean, that was like, like having a luxury, actually, because, uh, you know, there's like cement, it does draw out the heat of the body. I and mean, in the stickiness and the mis- So there's plenty of things that, the, the routine life, And the the boredom and the way that one wanted to always kind of look for some distraction from it, find uh, something interesting, some way to, you know, something to do, something to learn, something to, somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, these were strong, strong uh, desires. But then in, the, in the, the practice, as, as the trust and, and awareness increases, then you can apply that, begin to notice, like, like just the dullness and sleepiness. Now, when I first, when I first uh, attacked sleepiness, it was a willful act, you know, just trying to stop, you know, will myself into awakeness. So we have these all-night sittings every observance night. Wat pole, and everybody was expected to attend it, and it was and it lasted till till dawn, you know. So, and you, you and so you you, uh, you know you met about six thirty in the evening, and then you could sit and walk uh, meditation, and some usually Longpo Chod give a, a Dharma talk, Dharma reflection. <coughs> and then you'd be there, I remember about 11 o'clock, This feeling this incredible sleepiness taking me over. You know, just, and then then I'd I'd blow myself, sit up straight. And I'd make my back stiff. And there you, and we weren't even to uh, have Zaufus, you know, you had to sit on a cement floor with just your little uh, sitting cloth. So you got this hard cement floor we c- they wouldn't let us lean against posts or anything, against walls. And you're, uh, and you're sitting there uh, trying to fight against sleepiness. Mm. And, and then you're bobbing up and down because, you know, for a while you can, you can will yourself out of sleepiness, but you can't sustain it. And then your, your kind of will kind of fades out and then you're falling over. You'd fall over, you see monks going flop. I remember one monk, uh, he'd get so sleepy that it, at the end of the time we'd bow and he'd fall asleep sometimes when uh, when he was bowing to the Dhamma. He'd bow and then he'd fall asleep. We'd all be waiting for him to get. And then we'd have, <laughs> then we'd have to get up I mean we wouldn't have any time to rest because you go out on alms round at dawn, so then you you get ready and and then uh your bowl's ready, and then you have to walk in you know, in those days if you're young and I was young then go go walking you know miles uh to villages just to get some sticky rice that's all you'd get and walk back and then everything then prepare and then you'd finally eat the meal about. 8 o'clock 8.30 by that time you'd you were really zonked and could hardly wait for the meal and then they, there it was everything you had to all do everything together so you had to f- wait for the last person to finish the meal and then we'd then they'd ring the bell and we'd all get up and wash our bowls and come back in after we'd wash our bowl and swept the dining hall, wait while Ajahn Chah might be talking away to some lay people while we're all sitting there <laughs> and then finally dismiss us and uh, hopefully you could get back to your kuti before any- they expect you to do anything else <laughs> so uh, so this was uh, how just will, you know, the using will, willpower to do this practice, and and I found after a while I began to just hate it, because I c- you know I just c- every every uh, uh, observance time was just hell, and then you're just so sleepy for s- all the time, and uh, and so you just and then you think well, this is really good practice just to to. To be miserable like this all the time must be really good practice. <coughs> or was, was that attitude that, you know, was that an attitude that was conducive towards liberation? I could blame it on Ajahn Chah or on the you know, the the things that were happening, which seemed the obvious, you know. And it's his fault and then it's the, and it should be different and I could think of a better way of doing it and all like that certainly quite creative in thinking of alternatives but uh, the main thing was to observe the, you know use the awareness but I used to you know fight against sleepiness but n- without any real success uh, by fighting it was through awareness of sleepiness that I began to change my, my relationship to dullness and sleepiness changed. Rather than just, you know, because the willful resistance to it was aversion, wasn't it? At least that's how I thought. It It was, you know, you feel this sleepiness, and you had no opportunity to go to sleep. And you were in a, in a meditation hall with the teacher and everybody looking at you, and and if you and if you've got a lot of vanity and conceit like I do, then you then you don't want to look stupid in front of everybody, so you're trying to look impressive. And then and then <laughs> you then you fall over on your face, and <laughs> and then you feel embarrassed, you know, because you made a you think you made a fool of yourself in front of everybody, so. There is vanity, conceit, willfulness operating in order to do what I imagine Ajahn Shah wanted us to do. You know, to obey this, to, to keep this all night sitting and to suffer from it. Uh, certainly, you know, it is suffering, definitely suffering. <laughs> But then, the uh, with as the uh, recognition and the reality of awareness increase, then that changed my relationship to the forms, to the conditions, to the experience itself. So like I said, in in terms of tina mita or dullness and sleepiness, instead of trying to get rid of it out of aversion. Uh, trying to resist it, it was through embracing it. Now, how do you embrace dullness and sleepiness? Is the you know the, it's through the awareness of it, isn't it? You get be aware of the feeling of the of the, you know be aware of the body, the bodily sensation. Put this awareness, and, and it not in a cr- it's not in a, it's not criticizing the, the the dullness or sleepiness. It's totally receiving it, and yet not being attached to it. So when I say embracing, it doesn't mean clutching at it. Embracing, the English word embrace means when you embrace something, it means you're taking on the whole of it. You're you're not just embracing bits and pieces. So this sense of this openness, receptivity to this that is happening to me at this moment, and if that happens to be dullness or sleepiness, then that is the way it is. The relationship to it is to understand it. To investigate it, not analytically, not trying to figure out, because then you're back into the self feel again. But what does it feel like? What is it really? What? What? Is, what do I? You know, this wanting to get rid of it. This, this, uh, f- this feeling of, w- do I look stupid when I when I keep nodding and falling over? The sense how one's self is connected with the sense of one's sense of wanting to present oneself as a dignified presence. Uh, we can see conceit and vanity uh, as conditions operating. Not in a critical way, not saying you shouldn't have these, but recognizing understanding. <coughs> then then uh, the same applies to restlessness and, and worry. This kind of nagging Uh, mental state of just worrying about things. The mind will will seek something to worry about, something to do. The conditioning of the mind is always to find something to, to do, something to think about, even if it's stupid or silly or pointless or harmful, we'll do it. Remember being in, having periods alone in cooties, you know, where you you have you don't have any duties anymore. You're sitting there alone with no structure to follow, no teacher around, no senior monks, nobody to to bother me. And then I think, Oh, alone at last. At last I'm free from all that, you know, morning chant, e- morning puja, evening puja, uh duties and and all the rest, uh now I'm just free to be here, fully practicing, you know, 24 hours a day in my kuti. yippee. And then, and then the mind would would seek something to hang on to. It would find something to worry about, some vinaya point, some something, some problem with somebody else, some, uh, you know. It would there, it would always aim for something to to worry about. Why 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 did it do that? And then the resistance to it, the fighting against it. It would it would just always be wanting to to. Uh, I don't want to be bothered. I have these these uh, two weeks all to myself. I don't want to waste it in just this kind of dreary state of worry and despair. You know, I really want to get my samadhi. I'll get, I'll practice. So I'll practice jhanas. So, you know, you're kind of willing yourself into doing what you think is jhana practice. And then these niggling doubts and and worries start surfacing. And they won't let you alone. And then you try to resist them. And then they keep, and the more you resist them, the more uh, persistent they become you become obsessed and the Gwendolyn what are you to me thing takes you over so you can't think about anything else and two weeks in the in the cootie has been utter hell so, and that's you know so this is this is because of this you know being attached to views about practice, about yourself, about all kinds of things, and and then not being aware of that attachment. Operating from positions, from ideas. So that's where the, the um, you know, the awareness is here and now. It's non-critical. It receives doubt, worry, proliferation, papancha, conceptual proliferation, dullness, stupidity. You know, like like my conceits, and my self image is I want to see myself as an intelligent person. So anything a bit stupid. I've always detested in myself. So If I've had any stupid thoughts or things, like that, I would condemn as stupid, I'd just <laughs> be bothered with that. Because, you know, I'm an intelligent person. So I've found periods in my monastic life where nothing but stupidity would rise up in consciousness. Most inane thoughts and nonsense. Would would come into consciousness. Where does that come from? And I began to recognize how much of my life had been a resistance to all that. You know, a, a, a rejection of that. And so then, when these, you know, when these things would start entering the consciousness, there, there's, a, there's a kind of automatic uh, rejection. That's where periods alone and that do, you know, where you the kind of crutches and, and uh, structures are kind of no longer holding you up. Where then a lot of these, these uh, unacknowledged conditions can become conscious. So in that, it's a purification, isn't it? It's, a, it's allowing these impurities to be received consciously and that means from the awareness not from personal uh, position it's not me dealing with my problems it's not my defilements my doubts my impurities my chileses my anger my greed my stupidity my dullness it's it is what it is it's the Dhamma the way it is All that arises ceases. So it's learning to trust that positioning, that refuge of awareness, Buddha, knowing, knows the Dhamma, sees Dhamma, Buddha sees the Dhamma. So that means in a practical, here and now situation, awareness of the conditions that arise in consciousness. Now that can be, you know, uh, lust, anger, it can be dullness, sleepiness, restlessness, worry, doubt, fear, jealousy, despair. All these are emotional states. namely and pointing to emotional energies that we that we identify with. So that's why I so insisted on this seeing the value of these refuges of, of not uh, as you know, as the, the, uh, in a practical way. It's not an idealistic approach at all. But Buddha is here and now. It's, uh, it's awareness. Refuge and awareness Seeing Buddha knows sees Dhamma, so if dullness and sleepiness is present, if that's what you're you're conscious of. Buddha sees it in terms of Dhamma. It is what it is. It's like this, and so you're 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 recognizing it, but you're in that recognition. You're not attaching to it or identifying with it so it's not personal anymore it is what it is feels like this and as you trust in the awareness that uh, that will sustain you that connects so that the sleepiness actually is something come arising ceasing it, it you know it's like this and it, and it has its existence and then it naturally ceases so your relationship to it is Buddha seeing Dhamma, rather than me trying to get rid of sleepiness, trying to get rid of my defilements. So this is very important, you know, for you to to uh, to develop, because it's going against the whole the whole conditioning of of worldly life this is not worldly at all. So it's it's not, you know, the, the worldly life is me, what I think, what I feel, you know, my problems, my desires and my attachments. That's the world. I create that world. But if I take refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, then I'd stop creating the world. I'm no longer creating that world or recreating endlessly these, these worlds these habits but seeing the nature of the world the Buddha knows all, all conditioned phenomena is impermanent and that he's not knowing that intellectually the Buddha doesn't need to think all phenomena is impermanent <laughs> he doesn't think that he knows that knowing it by recognizing the way things are so in that recognition real reality then then when 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 something arises and ceases there's still the awareness and the buddha is aware of the emptiness and of the condition the arising the sustaining of the condition, the cessation of the condition, that which supports the background of the condition, that is the unconditioned, which is uh, our true nature. That's our refuge. So, uh, for this evening, I offer this uh, for your reflection.